Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Still No Plan. I'm Autumn Webb, and I'm here with Jordan Granger. I don't know why I'm saying our last names, but there we go. And um, <laughs> we are happy you're here. I, we have a little an actual structured intro for you guys this morning, which normally we kind of just like wing it, even though we're also kind of just winging it right now. But I was about to tell Jordan my like secret to my coffee recipe in the morning that now it just tastes like Starbucks and I don't feel the need or even the desire to buy a Starbucks. And she was like, no, press record. So here we <laughs> go. <laughs> Basically, the key is an espresso machine because uh, I like a latte. And so I'll take a little glass cup and then I'll put like one teaspoon of coconut sugar and then a couple little shakes of cinnamon and then a little vanilla. And then I'll brew the espresso on top of that. And then you stir it and then you pour it on like however much milk or I do milk and half and half and then pour it on top and stir it up. And I got myself a little latte and it honestly tastes like professional. So that's my secret. But I was so excited when I got an espresso machine. And then like, if you don't put anything with your milk and espresso, like for me, it's not really doing it. Like I need a little bit of like mm -hmm. sweetener up, but I like to brew the espresso on top of the sugar and cinnamon because then it like melts properly and stirs it up versus like sometimes if you just put it on top, you get like a chunk of whatever. <laughs> and Jordan's yeah. making the grossest face ever right now because of her sweetened. Oh my God. <laughs> Well, this is why the coffee conversation started is because I, I'm like trying to figure out if this is just my mom's coffee and I grabbed the wrong cup because it's so sweet and it's like, it doesn't even taste like coffee. It just tastes like sugar. Mm. Love you, mom. Your coffee is so sweet. <laughs> and the oat milk that you have chosen is so sweet. But yeah, I live with my parents. And so we all share fridge space, which is like a weird thing when you're an adult living with your parents with a partner because Kai and I very much have our like own routine. And so it's kind of like more, it feels more like a roommate sharing fridge situation and less like a, like we each have our own milks and it's not mm -hmm. like, oh, my mom went to the store and like bought milk and that's like the milk that's in the fridge. Like Kai and I have our milk that we like and my dad has his milk that he likes and my mom. So there's like four milk cartons in the fridge. So Kai's been gone. So I haven't been getting my milks and like whatever. I just like will use what's in the fridge. This morning, I, I'm not a fan of the oat milk that was chosen this morning. <laughs> it's just so sweet. But to your point, yes, I think an espresso maker really is a game changer. If you're like, why does my coffee never taste like Starbucks? It's because you're not making a latte properly if you just like have a Keurig. <laughs> but then and then the other thing is I will say cinnamon and vanilla. Like a lot of times I can get away with just cinnamon and vanilla and no sweetener because those two alone like really make it feel like more of a treat. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other, oh, the next level up to be just like Starbucks is we have a Nespresso machine. And so it takes the pods mm -hmm. and I get the Starbucks blonde pods, which is the type of espresso they use in the shaken espresso. And it's just, I can't tell between like most coffees, but I can tell the difference between the blonde roast and like other roasts and the blonde roast has twice as much caffeine. So if you're a caffeine girly, that's a good way to do it. But yeah, I'm not a fan of my coffee this morning. I don't even think I'm going to drink it. <laughs> oh my God, that's so sad. I know, I think I'm going to wait can, until we are done. You could probably do a whole honesty hour about living with your parents because 
we're both on that wavelength right now. And it's funny mm-hmm. to hear you say the thing about like, you don't share milks and whatever, because like, I also buy my own groceries most of the time because I don't know when my, my, my brothers are like 14, 12 and 10, they're not like into health the way that yeah. I am. And so my parents like, we're not, we don't want to buy your like $25 chia seeds. <laughs> like get your own <laughs> yeah and um but then it's annoying because when I do buy stuff like my br- my brother just eat it and I'm like oh my god I bought myself three peaches so that I could have three peaches but then I'm like, I can't say anything because like I don't pay rent so like a little bit of my groceries <laughs> is like the a fine price to pay I guess but it it is funny it's like roommate problems but family problems and so there's like so many layered dynamics of like oh you also were compounded trauma (laughs) (laughs) and speaking of trauma I Mm. I feel like we've talked about this book before but I never have actually I haven't picked it up in a long long time um the body keeps the score Mm. and it's funny because lately I've been feeling like a lot more anxious and it's not even like anxious about anything I'll just be like in a scenario and then like having a lot of physical anxiety which I haven't had for like probably like two years and so it's kind of annoying because in the last few years a lot of my anxiety has been centered around a specific thought or like thing and I think sometimes it's more overwhelming when it's just like all of a sudden physical things start happening to your body and um So I started reading Body Keeps a Score a long time ago because I think we both talked about how sometimes it just feels like this whatever trauma just lives inside of us and it's not even like current. We don't know how to really stop it. And the book is like, it's pretty small type and it's pretty dense. There's a lot of like psychology studies and like research based. So it's not like a page turner necessarily. So I kind of put it down and just like forgot about it a long time ago. But I was waiting for thrown off glass to be ready from the library and so I wanted to I was like I want to read something though so I picked it up and I feel like you need to read it Jordan because you've been talking about like how do you know if you're in fight or flight and how do you know if like if if this is happening and that it's like I don't know why it didn't hit like a year ago when I was reading it but it's really hitting now and I'm like Mm. oh my god like this is like literally everything that I'm feeling and everything that that I like relate to and I think the only thing that can be hard to relate about it is that he's talking about in the context of like you know war veterans and like really like abuse victims like really severe traumas and I I can't really relate to any of that but I think I just kind of contextualize it for me as like maybe there was not one like big catastrophic event but like a lot of little baby events that have led my brain to like be thinking there's like this huge catastrophic event that we're worried about. And um, yeah, it's been, I haven't really gotten to like the part about how to fix it yet. We're just kind of talking about like what it is and, and how to recognize it. And every page I'm like me, 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 me. And then I'm also like Jordan, Jordan, Jordan. So I was like, I have to tell (laughs) Jordan about it because I feel like this, it's not maybe not going to like cure us, but it can be, you know, the start of something, hopefully, of unlocking Mm -hmm. whatever lives inside of us, whatever monster. (laughs) 
Yeah, I've been wanting to read that. I also am just going to like really quickly blanket apology right here because there's so many people in my home. My dogs are like running around and barking. And so if that is heard throughout this podcast, everyone <laughs> just like, just know we're, we're having a good time over here. <laughs> the dogs are being crazy. Um, but yeah, my therapist recommended the body keeps the score, but she said she was like, it's really dense. It's really hard to read. Like, um, and this was also she I was like, I want to read the body keeps the score. And she was like, well, we are working on you over intellectualizing your problems. So like, I don't think you should read that right now. But she was like at a good like when you're feeling more in tune with your emotions on like an emotional level and less of like creating separation by intellectualizing, which is my issue. Mm-hmm. Um once we kind of fix that, then she was like, I do think it would be a great read for you. But she was like, you should audible it because it's really dense. It's much better to like listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's on my list. It's honestly the only, we've been talking about how we're like not, we're kind of like self-help breaking and it's the only one that's on my list. Cause I just think the information is going to be so valuable that mm-hmm. I like, I, yeah, I'm excited to read that. And it's stuff that I don't like a lot of self-help books, at this point in my journey of like reading a lot of fucking self-help books already are kind of redundant information. Like they all kind of have the same themes and I'm like, okay, yeah, I know this. I know a lot because I over-intellectualize my problems. (laughs) I know a lot about my depression, like clinical depression and like different things like dopamine. I did a bunch of stuff on dopamine, but I think trauma and like trauma-based healing and stuff like that I'm not as well versed in and so yeah that's that's very high on my list of things I need to read Mm -hmm. so far it's funny too because it's talking a lot about how like a lot of the tools they use in these like trauma centers are like physical tools to help you become because a lot of people trauma like struggle to like feel their body or their emotions Mm -hmm. and so a lot of trauma-based work is centered around like how can we get the patient to feel in their body and like recognize like oh I like this is my arm and this is what it feels like to touch my arm and Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of it is like play therapy like hobby therapy and yoga and I was like see this is part of it you just need a fucking hobby like back on yeah on our other topic craft need a hobby (laughs) (laughs) yeah um well, I love that. That's a good resource. I don't have it. Well, actually, I do have a resource. Everyone should go see Barbie. That's my mm. resource. <laughs> I know I have I'm, that on my to-do. It's so, it's so, so cute. Um, But we can get into the episode to, oh, wait, do you have one more thing? I had one little tip. So okay. I was, I don't know if you guys follow or know Ella Henry, Miss Glow with Ella. We love her. She posted something last week. And it was like this video of her like just waking up and she was like, I don't know if you can tell I'm like super fucking tired today, but she's like, I found this resource that was talking about how, how detrimental it is to snooze because every time you snooze, your body wants to go into like a 75 minute REM cycle. And if you only give yourself 15 minutes and then you snooze again, you're like going to, you're like going to be even more tired than you were when your first alarm went off. And so I've been trying to implement this week and no snooze and it's been really hard, but I've done it day two and no snoozing. And I do think it's better. It's just the first, like getting up is so fucking hard, but like, yeah, 
I, I don't have any expectation on myself. It's not like, okay, wake up and then we have to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, just stay awake, whatever, yeah. whatever means possible, you know? Yeah. I've definitely become less, well, it's just fucking moose. Moose makes it very hard to snooze because he just wakes me up. It's like an alarm clock that punches you in the face. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I kind of not, unless we're like so tired, we typically don't snooze our alarms. And I always can tell the mornings, like the amount of time it takes me to get out of my grogginess is so much longer. The days that I snooze my alarm versus like the days that I just wake up, even if I was like, Oh, but I could have used an extra 40 minutes of sleep. Like that. Yeah. To your point, like that broken up 15 minute increments of sleep is not going to actually add any value. Like, mm-hmm it's almost better to just like wake up and like if you need to take a mid-morning nap because you're so exhausted like do that but like don't yeah the little snoozes just really really fuck with you so I'm not surprised that is good it's funny it's good too, there's research whenever, behind that whenever I do snooze I like look at my aura ring and it will literally like basically say that my wake up time is whatever my original alarm clock time was and then I'm like awake for the whole time like you're barely even in like you're especially if you're set like I do this if you're setting a snooze for like okay five more minutes ten like that's yeah. nothing <laughs> like so I think that was a helpful like sometimes you just need like tough love to like get your shit together I feel like that was a good mm-hmm. little like this is not serving you it's fucking stupid and I was like you're right so yeah. that helps if that helps anyone <laughs> I'm sure I will it's gotta um well now on tough love on things that are stupid (laughs) today we're talking about (laughs) corporate burnout um which I think is so relevant and I told Autumn I was like we need to do it well you still remember what it was like in in these corporate trenches (laughs) and so we're talking about it now uh because it's just recent Autumn recently left her corporate job and I think corporate burnout is like So, I mean, it is talked about a lot, but I just think it's so underrated. Like I would put corporate burnout as like on the level of debilitating as like my clinical depression is. It is so difficult to deal with and work with. And like, it depends, I mean, I'm sure it depends on your job, but like it just bleeds into your life and like it, it can be really impactful. And so I, think that this is going to be a very important episode. And I also think a lot of people are going to relate. Um, And I hope like, I hope we have good advice, but I also hope at a minimum we can help people identify if they're burnt out. Because like something I've realized is that a lot of times I'm like, oh, I hate my job and I need to quit and like do something new. And then I'm like, oh no, I kind of just like need to talk to my manager about the fact that I'm burnt out and like do some things to address my corporate burnout. And like, once my burnout goes away, I like love my job again. And like, I'm happy with my coworkers and all of these things. So it's like, it can really disorient. That's why I think it's similar to depression. Like it can really disorient your true thinking, like, and just kind of put a shadow over like how you actually feel and make, I put everything in a negative light. So, um, yeah, it just I think it's like people should address it the same way that you would if you got diagnosed with like clinical depression because it is so impactful. Also, I want to clarify that I believe that corporate burnout can also happen in like any work setting. It doesn't need to be like yeah. a corporate desk job. It could really be like you're working in retail or you're working at a like a restaurant or it could also even be like 
people that run their own business can be burnt out from like, I think that happens in a lot of entrepreneurs because they like, you're so passionate about something that you kind of just like, don't give yourself any time to rest. So then you get burnt out. Um, however, I will say, I sometimes I think the corporate burnout is a little bit worse than the entrepreneurial burnout because at least when you're an entrepreneur, you're like making yourself rich and you're yeah. like, you're making your own schedule and like you have control to a certain extent of a lot of these variables that cause burnout. But when you're in like a corporate setting, it's kind of like, or like working for someone else, it's kind of like, no, you're required to be here from these hours and you're required to be on. I'm going to give you these tasks and you have to do them. And even if we give you more work, we're only going to give you this much money. And even though we're reporting record earnings, we're still not going to give you a raise because the company is struggling. You know, it's just like stupid shit like that. They like really like to punch you around in the corporate world. Yeah. Um, so the caveat is I think anyone can experience this. However, if you're working for someone else, maybe I sympathize with you a little more. <laughs> I also think you can have school burnout. Like I was so yes. burnt out senior year. <laughs> like so yeah. like to the point where I was convinced that I started COVID. Like I like manifested <laughs> COVID because I was having so many like burnt out college thoughts of like, oh my God, I just like kind of want this semester to end. And then yeah. COVID happened and my semester did end. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, I think even if you're just a student, like, I think you can absolutely, and I think you do, like, especially by senior year, you're like, what, 16 Whoa. years into the cool si- school system? Like, yeah, I don't know how anyone goes like straight into grad school after graduating. I feel like it is for me, as someone who's wanting to go back to grad school now, I feel like I'm so grateful that I took that break because now I'm so excited to go to school. And like, I miss that schedule. I miss that lifestyle. Like I, I'm excited to like be a good student and learn and actually like show up and be dedicated. And I think towards like the end of college, I was just like trying to make it through I was like I will do whatever it takes but I'm really like just trudging along like it felt so hard just to get myself there to class you know but yeah I think if you are like a senior right now or you want to do grad school I 1 million percent recommend taking at least a gap year no school no work to like figure out and be certain and just like know who you are a little more also like grad schools really appreciate like a little bit older of a student because they're like dude you're 22 I'm like you don't know shit <laughs> so also like it's you're, you're like you're essentially our undergrad students like you don't have the other context that is beneficial to you, a grad school program especially for a lot of doctorate programs like how can you know that you want to spend the next six years on this if you've never even done like anything else outside of school you know mm-hmm so I know that's a common thing people get rejected for, but all this to say, there are many types of burnout and it is soul sucking. <laughs> yeah. um, so we both have a definition of burnout that we found that we're going to like read and then talk about. So mine is from the World Health Organization and it says burnout is defined in ICD-11, which I think is like the, their disease <laughs> manual. Yeah. It's like the Bible of diseases. As follows, 
Burnout is a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. It's characterized by three dimensions. Feeling of energy depletion or exhaustion, increased mental distance from one's job, or feelings of negativism or cynicism (laughs) related to one's job, and reduced professional efficacy. Mm-hmm. This think- it also goes to say this burnout specific this type of burnout refers specifically to the phenomena in the occupational context and should not be applied to describe experiences in other areas of life. Interesting. So, like, you can't say like I have relationship burnout <laughs> with this de- with this definition. <laughs> I have That's- friendship burnout. Yeah, I just don't like you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Burnt out on it. <laughs> um. But I think it's crazy that this concept is like so widespread now that even like, you know, in all of these like technical diagnoses, like medical paperwork forums, they like have a specific diagnosis for it because I think even 10 years ago, I don't even know if five years ago people talked about this Mm -hmm. and I but then part of me asked, like, did we always have burnout and no one talked about it? I think yes, because, like, everyone was just taking, like, amphetamines all the time. Like, even, like, housewives in the 50s were, like, all jacked up on Adderall. So, and, like, everyone in the workplace, like, Wolf of Wall Street, they were all doing blow. So, like, was everyone just burnt out? We just needed stimulants to work? <laughs> like, yeah. and coffee's not cutting it? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, I think it's, like, I mean, that kind of is, like, a lot of mental health conversation I would say like I would say burnout is kind of on the fringe compared to comparatively but like it's not like depression was like widely talked about Mm -hmm. until like the 2000s maybe like the 90s and so I think that like these things are coming and also but yeah it is crazy that like it there's a specific diagnosis but I do think in this definition specifically there are like some important things to point out that I that stuck with me Mm -hmm. um one is that it specifically talks about it's resulting from stress that has not been managed which we can get into this but I as I mentioned in last week's episode or I don't know we're posting this two weeks ago um like proactivity is the only fix for burnout (laughs) it's so hard to reactively fix your burnout but if you can proactively address it for sure and then the other thing that I think is important is that one of the the dimensions described in this definition is reduced professional efficacy like it is going to be hard to do a good job if you are burnt out and I just think yeah it's like it's going to impact your work and I think that's why managers should care like that's why you should have the conversation with your manager because you can say like the World Health Organization literally identifies it like I'm not making this shit up this is a real thing and I'm struggling with it and that's going to impact my work. Like I need you as my manager to help whatever, maintain my boundaries, delegate more work, like be more supportive, whatever you need from them to address it. Because like, you're not going to be what they need from you if you're struggling with it and it's not getting support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, I think a lot of people can be scared to bring this up to a manager because I think there's a lot of like guilt in the workplace and 
but also if you don't bring it up to your manager, I don't know how it would be resolved. Like there's no way to have a conversation about stress in the workplace or boundaries or overwhelm with your manager without bringing it up. And second, I think um, any manager would probably be grateful that you're bringing this up because that shows that like you want to work on it. You want to fix it. You want to be better. I feel like it's kind of burnout is like the first phase and then people will just like after it goes on long enough just like really stop trying at all in the workplace and they call it like quiet quitting and I think a lot of it's really hard to fire a person who's like quiet quitting because they're like barely doing the bare minimum and it's hard to fire people and so I think that most employers most managers would want you to come to them and be like hey I'm burnt out I want to fix this because it's a mutually beneficial thing to fix. Like you will not hate your life anymore, hopefully. And they will have a more productive employee, which sounds like awful, but that's what they care about at the end of the day. Oh yeah. Do you want to read your little definition? Yeah. My definition is from WebMD, which my therapist says I'm not supposed to use, but this is different. So it's (laughs) fine. (laughs) It says a burnout is a form of exhaustion caused by constantly feeling swamped. It's a result of excessive and prolonged emotional, physical, and mental stress. In many cases, it's related to one's job. Burnout happens when you're overwhelmed, emotionally drained, and unable to keep up with life's demands. And I think, like Jordan was saying, the key in this definition is like, it's talking about constantly feeling overwhelmed, excessive, and prolonged emotional duress. And so, like we were talking about a few weeks ago, yeah, you're not going to if you struggle with depression, you're not going to be like super happy and feeling good. And then like all of a sudden the next day, wake up in like the pits of depression. 99% of the time, I'm not saying it never happens, but most likely it's not going to happen. There'll be a slip and you'll feel it at work too. And so it's so important to catch yourself wherever you can before you're in the pit, because in the pit, you're probably getting fired or quitting your job or, you know, like maybe making bad decisions. Like, I have a funny story. It's not really funny. I have a story about my dad. My dad is, he has like his own gym. He's a personal trainer. He's been doing that for a long time. However, when I was younger, he was working in a corporate setting, which this is funny. His first corporate job was actually the same building that Petco is. So we worked in the same literal building and had the same drive to work. And um, when he was working there, my parents also had me at 18. So he wasn't, didn't have his like college degree. He was like 24 or something. And he was working his way up the ladder. And then all of a sudden his leadership told him that you couldn't get promoted past a certain point if you didn't have a college degree. And he was pissed because there was people in management that didn't have college degrees that were like that way. And he was close to like getting that promotion. So he's like, what have I been working so hard for? And it kind of just like, made him super burnt out and he's not a drinker like my dad does not now he never drinks he never really liked drinking or partying back then and he told me he was so depressed and burnt out at work he started drinking at work which is crazy Mm -hmm. because that is if you knew him that is like so unlike him and basically a manager like came up to him to say something and he looked at him and turned off his laptop and shut it and said, I'm done. And (laughs) this is a few weeks before Christmas. He has like a six-year-old daughter. (laughs) He goes to the mall and he spent thousands of dollars on presents when he has no more income coming in. 
And oh. then he booked a really expensive trip to Europe for four months. <laughs> so don't get there. Don't get to that point because it will get to a point where you are so fed up that maybe you start supplementing with really even worse coping mechanisms until one day you can't handle it and you just quit on a whim when maybe that's not the best decision for you financially or whatever. But yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, an example of extreme burnout that I think is like, like the, the repercussions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is a good example. I think, yeah. It, <clears throat> I mean, it it is, it can be so impactful and I don't think people get it. But I was looking up um burnout definition and I found an article from CNBC and it said that burnout is on the rise and it's at an all-time high even from 2021 which was the last time they did it in 2021 38% of people reported that they were burnt out now 42% report that they are burnt burnt out 42 so increasing yeah almost half of yes, those people. almost everyone <laughs> yeah like one in two people basically um and to no surprise, women are more likely to be burnout than men and 18 to 29 year olds are more likely to be burnt out than 30 and up. And it says, what's, what's stressing? Why is it younger generations? Um, and I think this is a really good quote because I'm guessing most of our listeners are young millennials or Gen Z. And it says young millennials and Gen Z were raised with a lot of pressure to be independent high achievers but are starting their careers in an extremely chaotic landscape where they have little autonomy and freedom to find a meaningful, well-paid job. And I think this is so like accurate (laughs) because I think that we, many of our generation, I mean, we really grew up in hustle culture. We are like right underneath the millennial girl boss culture. Um, And I think we see we have these beliefs of what working was going to be and who we were going to be in the workplace. And then we joined in this economy where like people don't really want independent free thinkers that are working above their pay grade. They want you to like do your fucking job and like stay in your pay grade because they can't pay you more. Mm -hmm. And like, it's really no fault to anyone. It's just, I mean, the global economy maybe is the problem, Mm -hmm. but it makes sense that like young young people it makes a lot of sense to me that young people are burnt out I also think that I have like I mean I work at a very corporate corporation like it oh my god it's like (laughs) so like I feel like it's just like it's it's so corporate like the epitome yeah so like all the the things like we do it all and I think there's a clear difference in company loyalty in the younger generations of people that I work with and the older generations, specifically people who started in COVID because we don't feel the attachment that they used to have. They used to have huge in-person conferences that everyone would come to and feel the spirit of the company and feel passionate about like their employees. And they'd want to be a part of their employee communities. They'd want to be more a part of like the in-person workplace experience. But because we're remote, I don't feel much of that to my team. And I actually was just talking to my manager about being burnt out because I have healthy boundaries and I communicate clearly at work. And one of the things that like we're doing to help it is I'm helping out with a couple in-person things that are coming up because it does just like give you a little bit of more context of like the bigger picture that you're working towards. I think when you're like working on something, you're like in an entry-level job at home, it just can feel like, 
this is all meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Like I'm like sending this information off into like the stratosphere. (laughs) Yeah. And like who fucking knows what's happening. So, um, yeah, I just, I think that's another reason like young Gen Z millennials are struggling is because we were hired in this remote world where like work feels fake almost. It's very, it's very like ambiguous, just kind of like this like cloud of tech in front of us. <laughs> like, not like, here's my desk and my coworkers and like my little networks. <laughs> yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. I also, However, I did go in person three days a week. So I got some of that, but Mm -hmm. only for the last, you know, that didn't start until 2022. So I was working from home for a while before that too. And I do think my loyalty increased after going in, especially because you start to build more relationships with your coworkers. Like there are some people that we would just work in silence. Like I'd get one email or two emails or whatever from them, never really interact with them. But then in person, we're like talking constantly. And I also think you like learn so much better when you're in person. There are definitely benefits to going in person for sure. But I I feel like the reason why people are so much more burnt out now is I think a million percent the economy. Like, yeah, you, you, there is such a divide in people that are even just like in past their thirties and like an our age group, just because like, literally companies have not increased wages with the cost of living increases. Like San Diego now is past SF in rent prices, but we don't even make like half of what SF makes in income. Like I would say an average like salary job in SF entry level would start at like 85 to $90,000 because it's so expensive to live there. But in San Diego, like average entry level jobs start at like 50,000. But rent is yeah, still- but also the poverty line of San Francisco is like seventy five thousand. So you have to be making seventy five thousand to be above the poverty line, which, which is, is like crazy. <laughs> insane. Like, and yeah, I mean, I think that there was a time when we all just like in our brains were like, oh, six figure salary, like that's a good salary. Like six figure salary is great. It's good, but like, it's not the it's not what it used that to we be. thought it used to be. Yeah. And I think that that's the problem is with our generation is that like we were kind of sold this vision of like you go to college and you'll be good. You'll make great money. You'll climb the corporate ladder. Everything will be good. You buy a house. house. And now it's like, okay, we did all of that. And I, it's looking like I'm not going to be able to buy a house for 25 to 30 years. So how yeah. am I going to have kids? How am I going to do any of this? So why would I feel motivated or empowered when I just feel overwhelmed? like financially and it's also, I, I feel like my financial dreams are going to be achieved so I think that's really crushing especially when you're like working for someone else and you don't really have control over your timeline so I think that's my biggest theory on why burnout is worse for our generation is because well, we don't make the same as what people used to make and like our motivation to climb the corporate ladder I think is down for many reasons, but I want, I mean, I think our generation was raised in this like environment where we're learning about the declining animal populations and the rising temperature of the world and the, and we're hearing like by 2050, New York could be underwater. And so I personally have a really hard time thinking about the future without anxiety. And I'm sure a lot of people in our, in our generation feel this way. 
And so it's hard for me to even think like, where do I want to be in 50 years? I'm like, I don't fucking know. Maybe we'll be underground. <laughs> like maybe there will be no economy. Maybe AI will take over everything and we'll just be like in a communist territory. Like I have no, there's like nothing is off the table at this point at the rate things are going. So <laughs> like, it's hard to be like, oh yeah, I would love to climb up and be like in the chief marketing officer office at Microsoft. Like that sounds ideal. It's like, yeah, okay. Hypothetically, like that is the track, like the the upline that I'm on, but like, how am I, how am I supposed to even know what 20 years means? Like maybe the earth is going to burn to a crisp because we are not closing the ozone layer, which we actually are. The ozone layer is closing, <laughs> but it's like that. I will say like climate anxiety and environmental anxiety is an, and political. I mean, I don't know. There's apocalypse so much anxiety. anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Apoc- oh, let's call it apocalypse anxiety. Like the inability. I feel like I, I mean, I think that there were a lot of, like, during the Cold War, it's, like, people also were, like, what if the world is just nuked to pieces right now? You know, like, there everyone has been in this time, but I feel like there was a point in time before crazy technology booms where you could be, like, okay, I'm going to be, like, an accountant, and I'm going to, like, climb up my accounting. I'm going to be an accountant at, like, a grocery supply company or whatever, and I'm just going to, like climb up that like it's like it was a lot more clear but now it's like one who fucking knows where the world's gonna be and two who knows what your industry is gonna be doing like I work in tech AI is huge now I'm like should I like go be working in AI because like the next big job probably doesn't even exist now like the job that we're gonna be doing in 50 years likely does not exist at this current moment (laughs) and so it's like there's also that of like future planning and the inability to be like, oh no, it, it makes sense for me to pay my dues now because I'm like going to put in time for this thing that I'm working towards. It's like, I don't fucking know what I'm working towards. Like, so that is another reason I feel like our generation is really burnt out. Yes. I think it's funny. I was talking to my little brother about that concept. He's 10. And I was like, you know, what's crazy though, is that like, he's also really interested in like science. And I was mm-hmm. like, because even if you didn't like science, but because you were specifically wanting to work in like a scientific field, I don't even think I know that your dream job doesn't even exist yet. Like what you mm-hmm. want to go to school for and study for doesn't, how, how can you even prepare for it? Because it's not even in the world right now. And yeah. he was like, mm, I don't know. I'm like, you, you don't hear it now, but you'll hear it in a few years. Yeah. Uh, side note, he was also telling me he thinks that we should redirect government budget funds to just increase NASA to be at least like five to 10% of our government spend. I thought was so, <laughs> and he's like, it's not that much, only 5%. I was like, that's a lot of money to be given, to be redirecting. But Aww, okay. That's really cute of him though. <laughs> he's like, I love space. He's like, NASA only gets half a percent. It should be way more. And I was like, yes. Also, we should have fun school. Also this, also this. Yes, and. Also, NASA, <laughs> I'm sure that half percent is like billions of dollars. That's what I was saying. I was like, okay, I thought it would be like way more. He goes, you know, a lot of people hate NASA. I was like, who hates NASA? I don't think anyone is like. <laughs> who hates NASA? I don't know. I, I really don't. Like, send us a DM if you or you or someone you love hates NASA. <laughs> because yeah. I truly feel like that is like it's like NASA's like chaotic neutral it's just like there like it's cool we're all for space exploration <laughs> yeah like sure 
Um, that's really funny. I love hearing your brothers take something. Maybe we should have them on the podcast. <laughs> I feel like that would be really think. fun. Um, but after this like pessimist party, <laughs> my yeah, Adam's little frustrated <laughs> rants. There are things you can do to address your burnout. And as I mentioned earlier, burnout is a direct result of unmanaged stress. And so if you can find ways to manage your stress, then like you hopefully will not reach the place that Autumn and I are clearly in right now. (laughs) Um, And I think, yeah, I mean, I said this already. I said it in in an episode that's coming or whatever episode was last week. But proactivity is so important. And I think, I mean, I think Autumn has like some, some true tips, but I would say my tips are like communicate with your manager, take time off and value your time off like more than anything and find ways to completely unplug. Like do not be someone who has their out. I am this person and I hate it, but I have my outlook notifications all the time on just cause I leave them on. And I like, I'm not technologically savvy to like set a schedule and I'm not going to keep going back and forth and turning them off. But then like my manager will ping me after work and he works, he like has in his email signature that says like, I work off hours because I have a family and whatever. Like I, you are not expected to be responding to me if it is not within the work day. Like don't, this is not me putting pressure on you, but just getting the email. I'm like, no, I can't stop thinking about it until I respond. Like, and it's, your boss, so. and it's my boss. And so I'm like, oh, I'm literally not going to stop thinking about this thing. And I will, will not enjoy my day until I like give him a response. And so I think it's really important to like, literally like physically remove yourself from work, whether that's turning your notifications off your phone, like hiding your work computer away. So you're not seeing it. Like, especially in this work at home environment, like unplug completely, um, And I think if you do those three things, like those are really the foundations of like avoiding burnout. There's obviously a lot more that you can do and there's different reasons you'll get burnout. So like your solutions will be better, but communicating and boundaries are like the two biggest things. Yeah. I also, I think it can be so helpful to to identify the root cause of your burnout. Like what specifically is bothering you in the workplace? Like, is it like for me, I think part of mine for sure was that I knew that this, the, the route that I was on was a dead end for me. Like I knew that I didn't want to work in the corporate world. I've never wanted that. And so the fact that I, Jordan was, we were talking about this, like, you know, existential, like, where am I going to be in five years? But I literally knew that I 100% did not want to be there in five years. And so it just felt like all of this energy for what, like, not for me like so why am I doing this you know and so if you can like take some time to just sit with the uncomfortability and like try to be curious about it like what is bothering me like do I feel like I don't have control over my workload do I feel like I don't have control over the projects that I'm on do I feel like I think unclear expectations are really overwhelming sometimes because I had my, my previous role at Petco like I felt like I I was just like floating in this abyss of like nothing to do. And I kept asking and no one would give me anything. And I know, especially when you're young in career and like trying to learn and grow, I was like, okay, like how am I, where am I going to go from here? Like, how am I going to interview for any job and tell them what I did in this role? Because as of right now, it's a whole lot of like really nothing. And I, it's, I know we can all like bullshit, whatever, but it would be really hard to bullshit. (laughs) that so Mm. do you feel like you don't have enough do you feel like it's not clear what you're supposed to be doing um do you feel like 
maybe there's like an office bully on your team who like makes you uncomfortable or it's kind of just puts you down. Maybe that's your boss even. And um, is it like you have too much? Are you covering for people? And like, you just feel like you can never finish however much work you have. Or do you feel like you don't have any social support outside of work? Like, I think that can contribute too. is not having good support systems outside of work to kind of be like a buffer for that stress that you feel not that you should dump on them but at least like when you're having fun with friends on the weekend or on weekdays like at least you can kind of be like well this is what it's all for like I'm working here so I can like hang out with my friends and like afford to go and do these things like but if you don't have that then it's like god I'm doing this like work that I hate and I don't have that like doing anything fun like with the money that I'm making or and again this is on the same thread but like do you just feel like you don't have any personal like work-life balance do you just feel like you are so overwhelmed with work that you're constantly working and not able to to shut it off like those are I feel like those are kind of like the main buckets of maybe why you are burnt out and so it can be really helpful to identify which one is your problem and then escalate to the right people maybe you escalate to your manager if your manager is the problem and you don't feel safe to talk to them maybe you escalate to hr or their manager or something like but i would say 9.9 out of 10 people in the workplace want to help you and they want you to be happy and they want you to stay and if they if that's not true in your scenario then I think the answer for you is leave. obvious is leave. <laughs> and maybe it's not financially feasible to leave in the exact moment, but like start taking the steps to leave. And if you are going to take steps to leave, I think we could do a whole episode on that too. But just like quick notes, like something I found helpful was like just trying to do take one step towards your next goal every day and instead of trying to be like I need to spend 15 hours this weekend working on it like no you can just spend 30 minutes on Monday and 20 minutes on Tuesday as long as you're just like slowly you know building the new skills you need or like connecting with the people that you need like just one little task each day it doesn't need to be this whole like I need to spend every day all day on my weekends figuring out my next move it can just be a little bit here and there each day yeah. And I think um kind of like a last point here. Obviously Autumn left her corporate job. I'm still working in my corporate job. There are different approaches to, to like handling burnout and to Autumn's point, like identifying the cause of burnout and what potential solutions are is so important on like deciding your next steps. Because I think in my case, a lot of my burnout is fixable through communication with my manager. And there are times in my role where I'm not at all burnt out and I'm very excited about work. And so identifying how I can increase those opportunities and decrease the times when I'm feeling burnt out, like that is enough of a solve for me. But to Autumn's point, like she didn't want to be there. There was no reason for her to put in that effort. Um, and I, and yeah, to the third point, like, and if you're feeling like, oh, there's no solution in sight, then definitely leave. If it's not a fixable opportunity, leave. But not everyone can just fuck off and quit their jobs. I think something that's really helped my burnout in times of stress, like especially in my first job when I just, again, like knew it wasn't where I wanted to be. It was at Microsoft, but like it was, the role wasn't really where I wanted to be. I was feeling undervalued. I just had a lot of different things that were playing into it and they weren't, it wasn't really fixable in that role. 
starting the podcast helped a lot having hobbies like finding joy in other places and recognizing that like almost like compartmentalizing your job for what it is I think our because we work from home it's really hard to turn off and be like my job's my job like sometimes a job I saw this thing it was like a job can a good job can just be a good job and that's fine like it doesn't need to be your dream job it doesn't need to be everything you want it to be and more it doesn't need to be where all your friends are everything that brings you passion and happiness and excitement it can just be good enough pay for the work that you do and like that can be enough and so finding ways to like diversify your life so you're not as dependent on your job helps burn out a lot because you just can kind of compartmentalize and be like okay yeah this sucks for whatever reason like I'm kind of sick of it I don't like love work every day but like I'm getting paid well and I'm happy with that and like I can just stick around for that and so yeah just like really understanding your options getting clear about why and getting clear about what can change and what are you in control of and making those changes is also really valuable and if you're at the point like I know like Kai my boyfriend quit his corporate job and he was just like at the point where he literally would be like like dread stepping foot like speaking to a single person he still gets like a pit in his stomach thinking about work because he hated that fucking place so much like you you probably can't fix it like that's probably a you gotta leave sort of situation um but yeah leaving isn't always your only option there Mm -hmm. are other things you can do definitely yeah I think also if you want like more information on this topic we one of our very first episodes with Rana M. Jotty the part one she talks a lot about her experience at Microsoft and she is just like so eloquent and well-spoken and puts feelings and thoughts into into like sentences that you were like oh my god that just like hits my soul so you should definitely listen to that and then I think we also have another episode that's about like so your first job sucks like oh so you hate your first job like I would say most people hate their first job out of college because you don't know what you want like how you can't you don't know what you don't know and so you have no idea the right questions to ask about team culture or or expectations or what the role really is so it's just overwhelming and then I think we also have another interview with I'm forgetting her name but she wrote that book the about your freshman oh, year professional professional something about yeah professional about your freshman year in the workplace and if you don't want if like listen to the episode or read the book like it's a really good resource so Brooke Carter career (laughs) is hard (laughs) and it's easy to get burnt out but yes let's be proactive where we can notice the signs of burnout and then escalate to the proper people whether it's your therapist or your boss or HR or your boyfriend or whoever it is like take action and before you're in the pits of despair and like like Jordan's boyfriend where you literally like I fucking hate the whole like you feel like anger in your stomach for like years and years after quitting like you don't need that you don't want to hold on to that so like no try to be proactive and I know it's easier said than done especially like you never know like anyone's circumstances like sometimes it's really hard to get out so or to fix it we also are going to do an episode on autumn's transition out of the workplace so if you feel like that is your only option then 
she will have some advice for you and mm-hmm. her experience with that whole process. So, um, well, thank you everyone for listening. Sorry for our doom and gloom moment there, <laughs> but I am so passionate about this topic. I think it's so important. Um, as always, rate, review, subscribe, tell us you love us, and we will see you next week. Yay! Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo.